Hey y'all, it's Dr. Kylie with the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast and it is 2023. Where has the time gone? We began this in 2020. Would have never known what I would be doing now and what information would be out there about our health. I am so glad that you have taken the time to learn about your health and what you can do to be in charge of it and to be in control of it and to learn about your blood work, what your blood work really says right here on this podcast. In fact, if you could do me a big favor, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, take a screenshot picture of it, send it to my team. We'll get you something good just for doing that. If you are a practitioner and you don't have a thriving virtual practice, you need one. That's what In This Together Live is all about. It's happening in February 20th, 21st, and 22nd in Orlando, Florida. Yes, this is an in-person event where I get to meet you and hug you and help you grow the practice of your dreams so you can have more time, locate more freedom of time, location freedom, and financial freedom. But now is the time to do it. You've got to have a thriving virtual practice. The doors are wide open. And who knows what's going to be available in two years. So let's get this done now. Let's build you a thriving virtual practice in just two days. Come join me and other world-class experts in Orlando, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Resort on February 20th, 21st, and 22nd this month. Well, this year. So next month, grab your ticket at drkylieburton.com slash in-this-together-live. It's got all the details and there are only 200 seats available. So grab yours before it fills up. I guarantee it's going to fill up. And I also guarantee you ain't going to want to miss this. It's going to be the thing that blows up your practice so you can help more people while saving your time, saving your energy and having more impact. And who doesn't want to meet in person nowadays? I need to meet you and I need to give you the biggest hug and tell you, you got this. You are a genius. Let's just get more people knowing that your geniusness exists. And I'll see you in Florida next month. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. Dr. David is here with us today, and he specializes in menopause. If you are a practitioner who helps people in menopause, Or if you are someone experiencing menopause or about to experience menopause, tune in because he's got the menopause method and he's been doing this for 28 years. He's a holistic medical doctor out of Asheville, North Carolina, but he's been completely virtual for the last 12 years now. So Dr. David, welcome on. Thank you, Kyla. Do you go by, I should have asked you, do you go by Dr. David or Dr. Rosensweet? Which one? Either one, whatever you feel most comfortable with. David Rosensweet, guys, just so you all know who I'm talking to. Um, very experienced, 28 years down the down the uh, menopause route. Why menopause? Well, our careers unfold in mysterious ways. It's and so I true. Had, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm only five years I in. A, I had been a holistic doc since 1970, and in the course of my practice, one of my mid 40s patients who was brilliant and had retired in her mid-40s, think about that, uh, opened my office door before hours started while I was just doing some paperwork, walked up to my desk, slammed her fist on my desk and says, don't pretend you know me. I am going crazy and I mean it. And don't give me something simple for this. And serendipitously, so to speak, or I'd say by divine guidance, 
intervention. Yeah. yeah, I had been speaking to a medical doctor who was bringing progesterone to the w- w- world of women, Dr. John Lee. And uh, he had sent me a pre-publication copy of his first book, and he was very generous with his time and his information. And I said, I'm going to give her some progesterone. Three weeks later, I got a letter from her because this was... This was 1970. <laughs> and she said, I can't believe that stuff. This is, I'm totally myself again. Thank you so much. What's in that? And then she restarted referring patients. And I had never experienced such dramatic results out of anything that I'd ever done that appealed to me, but I didn't guide my practice. And before long, it was just, I had a plentiful amount of uh, women in midlife. Going crazy. Wanted to stop going crazy. What did she get? What did you give her? I want that. So you were there in the beginning of bioidentical hormones, the production of them. I was. Teach us a little bit about that process and how you are as educated as an MD. You're not going to graduate MD and be holistic. how, How do you do that? Well, I, I was interested. I loved being an MD. I love medical school. It was such a gift to me. It was like a temple to me. And at the end, as I was nearing graduation, I wondered, gee, are there any other tools? That's cool. And what about healing? And I got interested in nutrition and herbs. I lived in uh, Santa Fe at the time. And uh, I, uh, I was delivering babies at home. I was really interested in what else can we bring to the table to help people. And it got me into nutrition and uh, detoxification and exercise and into the elephant in the room, dysfunctional responses to stress, which triggered the fight or flight biology, which dismantles everybody. And this is what, 80s and 90s? This was, well, I started in 1971. You were like pioneer. There was no name holistic or functional. Yeah, there was nothing like that at that that time. So you're pioneering the holistic and functional medicine world yourself. And then you start pioneering bioidentical hormones at the same time. Yeah, it was, uh, I knew some of the originators. I know them well. They're friends of mine. I've lectured with them. And they thought, why give horse urine estrogens? Why not give pure bioidentical estrogens and put them up in creams and gels? And I thought that was a great idea, but so little was known. So I wrote a book that had everything in it that I knew and gave it to my women patients. And I figured we're going to have to figure this out together. These hormones are not going in my body. They're going in hers. And I gave them enough information to know what symptoms to expect, what symptoms to alleviate as they started treating them. They would give me the feedback. And together in the early years, we figured it out from scratch because there was so little known. We weren't trained in this and then you were doing true experiments yeah but we're playing with bioidentical hormones and when the ovaries have stopped producing and the symptoms are rife in 75 percent of women and all you have to do is start low and gradually titrate up and if you're successful women are going to get symptom alleviation instead of having hot flashes and waking up in the middle of the night they're going to go oh my god i'm sleeping again this is wonderful or like deborah i was her name said i'm i feel myself again i'm not going crazy anymore so it wasn't rocket surgery really the women lost their hormones from the ovary 
we replenish the same molecular identical hormones to the women. If we get the balance right and the amounts right, and individualization really matters, there's wide ranges, you know, woman to woman. So that's how we figured it out together. And then I knew 24 hour urine hormone testing, and that was a big deal because I could confirm with the numbers that showed up on the 24 hour urine hormone testing. With those tools, man, we were off and running. So you had, you had urine testing for hormones. That's what that was your testing modalities? That was 24 hour urine hormone testing. It's the only Why one. Why urine hormone testing? Well, there are no other good options. Saliva was getting popular, but it was extremely faulty for ovarian hormones. Works okay for cortisol. You don't really need it, but blood testing doesn't work in a woman that you're treating because it's dependent on when she took her last dose. Okay. So I'm, I'm a lab nut, so keep going. Teach me about these differences in labs. Blood testing, which is so useful for a zillion things, doesn't work for when you're treating a woman in menopause with hormones. And then the National Academies of Gynecologists and the, the North American Medical Menopause Society say don't test. It doesn't work. Blood tests don't work and saliva really doesn't work. That's what the traditional doctors claim, and they're right. And then, um, so, and 24-hour urine has been the gold standard since the late 60s. There was an oncologist in Nebraska in the late 60s. He was testing 24-hour urines on women who had breast cancer and health, young, healthy women, and he saw differences there. He chose 24-hour urine hormone testing back then. Nowadays, the hormone testing that's even done in blood is, is being done with the technology that was developed in 24-hour urine hormones, GC mass spec. Technical issues, but it's, it's terrific. It's a, it's a godsend, and it's a learning curve. There's a lot of different things you learn when you test hormones and metabolites in the urine. Now, are we talking when we say urine samples? We're talking like liquid urine samples, not dried urine samples, right? Not the dried urine. Yeah, Kate, do you uh, know the difference? Uh, will you explain to us the difference? Yeah. When you're doing 24 hour urine hormone collecting, you're collecting all the urine, you're mixing it up, and you're pouring off about 50 cc's and sending it to the lab. And when they have the total volume and their sample size, they can tell you how much estrogen a woman put out in 24 hours, how okay. much progesterone, how much testosterone and DHEA and how many corticosteroids and all the metabolites. That's what it reports. When you're doing dried urine, you're taking urine and you're peeing on the filter paper. Steroid hormones that are coming out of the ovary are sticky. They're fat soluble. They're tough to extract accurately. And there's a lot of variables there. Well, the scientists that I respect the most, they say, why in the world would you ever pee on a filter paper? Why don't you just send in five urine samples? You don't have to extract. Extraction is the bane of fat-soluble substances because they're sticky. And then you've got the filter paper variables. There's a lot of reasons to not do the five-point. I myself and our team were conducting a study comparing all the different test results so that we can clean up the Wild West of treating women and men because the specialties never developed. 
specialties in chiropractic and orthopedic surgery in internal medicine. They developed in the late 1990s, 2000s, wonderful training programs leading to wonderful specialists, certified, being mentored and trained, not for menopause. Growth in menopause stopped cold with a false study that went out that stated that there was increased risk, but the study itself showed there was not increased risk. But what the press got a hold of and the American public and the physicians got a hold of was there was increased risk if you treat with hormones. False, totally false, later retracted. But it stunted the development of people specializing in administering the most powerful biochemicals in our body, hormones. So the specialties never developed. We're, we're doing that now. Our team is trying to develop. I love. So you're, you're taking different testing modalities and specimens, really. Yeah. To get the data to show you what the difference is with all, like the blood, the urine samples, the blood spot testing, the cal the saliva. I mean, all that stuff that we all get told about and, and talked about and spent thousands of dollars on these testing and this test. And is it really accurate? A lot of them is not. Mm -hmm. And it's not well policed because nobody knows how to tell the difference, really. There's people who just don't understand it, but they're trying to develop, well, whatever reasons. Um, I already know that 24-hour urine is the way to go. And I want to show who we teach that these other methods, they just aren't valid for testing women and men when you're treating them with hormones. Just a problem. And how many happy hormone clinics do you hear about on the country just dishing out hormones like candy? That's right. I'm shocked how many people don't get any type of testing done before they just yeah. jump right into taking hormones. That's right. So guys, be careful about the testing you're receiving for your hormone therapy. And Dr. David, let's talk about I love I love testing, love that gem. Let's go on to some of the, the early founding days of bioidentical hormones. Because you know them. I don't know anybody else who knows them. Well, women and men have been given hormones for a thousand years. The Chinese were doing it a thousand years ago. They were having the men, the young men, pee into outhouses, into big vats. And they're having the young, healthy women pee into a different outhouse and collect their urine and dry it out because there's hormones in the urine. And the aristocrats... Oh, that's how they were collecting it? Yeah, they just had young Interesting. men. And who got those dried out urine hormones? The aristocrats. <laughs> the they wealthy the people. And they, and they thrived. You know, the wealthy people were getting the hormones. And then in the, in the 1940s, um, pharmaceutical manufacturers recognized the need for treating women in menopause and needed source of a lot of hormones, so they chose the horse. They chose okay. the pregnant mare. They put them in stalls, and they catheterized them and collected all their urine. Some people get a little woozy about that collection method. Other people get woozy that 50% of the horse urine estrogens have never been seen by the human female. Oh, geez. So they evaporate that urine and dry it out and put them into pill form. 
with a very heavy coating because if you break into that pill form, you smell urine. Can imagine. Premarin, pregnant mare urine estrogens. In 2002, there were 18 million women on Premarin or Prempro, its cousin. 40% of all women in menopause were on Premarin and Prempro. And you know what? Those women did really well. What people never understood is that they were at less risk for developing breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than the women who were not treated with Premarin and Prempro. It was falsely reported. The increased risk was falsely reported and later retracted. So pregnant mare urine and pregnant mare urine combined with a funky molecule called Provera, 18 million women, the most profitable and popular drug of all time in 2002. And then it got shut down because someone lied and said estrogen causes breast cancer? Well, they, they did this huge study and they misinterpreted the study results. They said it was there was increased risk, but it was statistically insignificant. With the Prempro arm of the study, I have all this in the book. Yeah, and, and if you guys are thinking, what the heck does clinically statistic mean? Clinically significant versus statistically significant, there's a big difference. I happen to come from a chiropractic school that grilled us on research. We had to dissect things down to this scrutiny, but just know that there's a big difference and take our word for it. And yet the press got a hold of it, said there was increased risk, and it just went wildfire, scared everybody. So 18 million went down to the low millions, one and two million. Well, meanwhile, back in, that was 2002. That's yeah, so 20 years ago. But back in the 1980s, I know both these gentlemen simultaneously, they reached out for compounded bioidenticals. One was Dr. Jonathan Wright. He's a real pioneer in functional medicine. He's a medical doctor in the uh, Seattle area. He said to he, he contacted one of his compounding pharmacists and he said, "Look, I know there's pure estradiol out there. They've been putting it into birth control pills, a little altered, and certainly there's pure progesterone out there. Please go see if you can find it." And sure enough, the pharmaceutical manufacturers had extracted from soy this precursor, and through some fancy, wonderful biochemical conversion, had produced pure estradiol. And pure estriol and pure progesterone and pure testosterone, molecularly identical to what the human ovary puts out or the testicles put out. And Dr. Rice suggested, put this up in creams and gels. Let's apply it topically. It's safer. That was the early 1980s. And a, a friend of mine, Jim Hernser, a pharmacist in Dallas, he came up with the same idea. His wife went into menopause. And he said, I'm not giving her a horse urine. I, I can get a hold of pure estradiol. I'm going to get put that up in a cream. And he gave it to her. Thus were born molecularly identical, compounded bioidentical hormones. There's 8,000 plus compounding pharmacists in the USA. Every single one of them's bread and butter is treating women in menopause and men in andropause with compounded bioidentical hormones. They're fantastic. They're, they're needed because there's an infinite number of dosages that women can use because women vary so much. So do men. Some women are really, when they're young and menstruating, they have this much estrogen, let's say. Other women, they're normal, healthy, fertile, regularly menstruating, but they need this much estrogen to function. Three times as much as this. All of these women are normal. 
So the variability, woman to woman, when they go into menopause is enormous. And we're not trying to replicate youthful levels. We come in right below that because that's sufficient to do everything that most, not all women in menopause need. But there's tremendous variability. So you need compounders to fulfill very specific individualized prescriptions. And I think that's key too, getting it specific to you. When when you talk about bioidentical hormones, what are some things that can go wrong? Not much. What about when people go to the clinics who aren't as trained as you are? Yeah, the hormones, they're so strong that if you get into overdose, which is something you don't want to do with hormones, you don't want to get excessive hormones, but most every woman who gets into excessive hormones gets symptoms of overdose, like estrogen stimulates. So estrogen stimulates breast glandular function. So if you give too much estrogen, women start getting breast fullness, breast pain, breast tenderness, nipple tenderness. That's a signal they've gone too high. Same with progesterone. You take too much progesterone, progesterone's the great calmer. So if you take progesterone at night to go to sleep and you wake up and you feel groggy, like you've been drugged, you had an overdose of progesterone the night before. So there's a lot of protection there. Women who take too much testosterone, most every woman who does is going to start getting mustache hair and hair on the chin. And is going to start getting testosterone-ish. Not going to like it. So there's that built-in protection of all hormones that you can name almost. Thyroid, too much thyroid, you get jittery, you feel like you had too much coffee. So there's that built-in protection. Plus, anyone who's been trained at all knows their numbers. Now, I say that a lot of people don't know their numbers. A lot of people are poorly trained. And so overdose is occurring, and nobody likes it. And it's probably not that big of a deal. There was stuff. Uh, thousands and thousands of women who were overdosed with Premarin. I had a patient come to me once. She was interested in bioidenticals. She had a hysterectomy at the age of 40. She was on Premarin since the age of 40. I met her when she was 60. She said she never had breast tenderness a day in her life until she went on to Premarin. And then she's had breast tenderness every day of her life for 20 years. Premarin wasn't the problem. It was overdose of Premarin. <laughs> Too much. That was the problem. Now, having said that, hormones are so powerful, our method is scrupulous to not do overdose because we know the numbers. When you do 24-hour hormone testing, our group, me personally, have defined what's too little and what's too much. We really want to know that. If you have too little estrogen, a woman can get rid of her hot flashes, but she can still be losing bone and getting vaginal atrophy just to name a few problems, doesn't have enough. We know what that lower number is. We mark it out on the test results. We know what too much is. We don't want midlife women getting breast glandular cell proliferation along with the mitosis cell division that can occur. We know what that upper number is. Yes, we're gonna be protected by a woman getting breast tenderness, but we can pick it up before breast tenderness if she's putting out too much estrogen in her 24-hour urine. So we can identify that. So that's very clearly defined in our testing. So you have them test before or test after they start treatment to see where they're at? We only test 
when a woman comes to me and says at the three-month mark, wow, I feel good. That's when we test. It, it's, it's not prudent or even wise to test a woman who's in menopause. What do we learn? All their hormone levels are low. Oh, they got to pay $300 to learn that all their hormone levels were low. Well, when I heard they had no period, I already know that their hormone levels were low. So I didn't need to hear see that in written technicolor. Women in the perimenopause, young women, when they go through a period, at the first day of the period, their estrogen levels are low, then gradually over time they increase mid-cycle, they're at their absolute maximum, they fall, and then they rise again, and then they fall. Very orderly, very structured, very amazing orchestration there. You can't even believe it. The female menstrual cycle, oh my God. When they go into the perimenopause, when they're young, their hormone levels are up here. When they, but gradually over time, after the age of 20, they start getting lower and lower and lower. And a woman's brain and a woman's hypothalamus and her pituitary gland, they, they get hep to that. And they go, wait a minute, these ovaries are going offline. Let's see if we can stimulate them back into action because we have stimulating hormones. So the pituitary puts out two ovarian stimulating hormones, FSH and LH. So the brain sees lower hormones, puts out a blast of FSH. The women get a rise in estrogen production, for example, but the ovaries can't sustain it. So they get a crash, rise, crash, F ping pong between pituitary and ovaries. We can measure that. We can, we can see the increase in the pituitary hormones. We can see the, so you get this oscillation. So it totally depends when you test a menopausal woman, she can come to me and say, I have hot flashes. And what do I know? She's too low in estrogen, end of story. But if I test her and she's in the perimenopause, she could be on one of her false peak output days where the pituitary's really jacked up those ovaries and we get a high level. And I did this once, that's how I know this. I had a woman in the perimenopause, she's having hot flashes, can't sleep every day. I know she's low in estrogen, but I want to test her. So I test her and I'm, and when we get the reports back, she and I are in the office looking at these test results. She's high, all of her estrogens are high. And I'm saying to her, well, I want to treat you with estrogen because I know you're low. And she's looking at me like, you just had me spend $300. The test result says I'm high in estrogen and you want to give me estrogen. <laughs> you know? well, that was the last time I tested a woman in the perimenopause. My explanations didn't weren't so terrific after the f fact there. But you're you're testing, you're doing it the twenty four urine sample, and I I mean I love testing. I love, that's my jam. People always ask me like, what's the best hormone test? You've answered that. Yes, twenty four hour urine, and, and nothing else is really acceptable. Sorry to say. So what about blood work when they go in to get blood work and well, blood you know, work it comes back you estrogen know test so well is valuable for so many things. And in menopause, there's some additional things we also test only by blood. For example, midlife, thyroid is usually an issue, very commonly an issue. So we wanna get four blood thyroid tests because blood is much better for testing thyroid. TSH. What are your four, okay, keep going. TSH, free T3, free T4, and reverse T3. 
Okay. And sometimes we'll test for antibodies if we see something's out of whack for autoimmune thyroiditis. Quick question. Also, What's your ideal number for reverse T3? Within range, mid-range. Which is, depending on the lab? Well, it depends on the lab. But, okay. you know, it's going to be around 15, 18, 20, something like that. But I want TSH less than 1.5. I want free T3 at youthful levels, which is 3.0, 2.9. I want free T4 at youthful levels. I want. The patient wants decent levels of thyroid. I want to see that free T4 at youthful levels, which is 1.2, 1.1, 1.0. Patients also come often come in at 0 0.9, 0 0.8 on free T4. Oops, they come in at 2.4 on, on free T3. Oops, they come in with a TSH of 3.0. That pituitary is cranking, trying to stimulate that thyroid. That's a whole other issue. Here's another blood test that really matters for women in menopause. Sex hormone binding globulin. SHGB. Imperative. Because if there's alterations in SHBG, it may not be a problem. Or it might be a problem because a lot of women who are on birth control pills got an elevation in their sex hormone binding globulin and it never came down. And I never announce it as a problem when I see that it's elevated. But I'm aware of it because if they don't dose determine in an easy, efficient manner, I'm going to turn to that SHBG and try and determine if it's part of the problem. It's not an illness, and we know how to deal with it. So, But we always get an SHBG too. And that's in addition to your standard testing, and your panel is probably very rich and robust, and so is mine. And we like to test a lot of things because it's cool <laughs> this has been so so much gold within our last 27 minutes so much gold and i know hormones are something that people like to get into but they really are surface levels from practitioners from patients care from patient looking trying to figure out how their own hormones are i know your menopausemethod.com has a lot of information so whoever you are, go to menopausemethod.com. If you are interested in becoming a certified practitioner through Dr. David and his program, go check that out too, because you can you can learn this on such a deeper level, just like as you've experienced in the last 25 minutes, there's a lot more to hormones than what we think. And then and and just the surface level, the testing, get it all. I love being able to talk to someone about hormones and especially menopause really understand it. And it's not just lifestyle, it's not just food and nutrition, which those are important. But you got to get into the numbers and you got to get into not just the blood work and the urine sample that we just have discovered. I didn't even know that myself. 24 urine sample is the best route to go. Now when people ask me, I'll be able to say, yes, it's the best route. And Dr. David told me why. Here's <laughs> go learn more about it. So if you're a practitioner thinking this is my jam. I would love to go deeper. Go to menopausemethod.com. If you're just someone trying to figure out your own story, go to menopausemethod.com and go meet with Dr. David. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. You can help. Dr. Kylie's going to post a free PDF version of the book I wrote for women, Happy Healthy Hormones, 
So you can yes. download it from your website, right? Or however you, you can download it from the show notes here in the in the podcast, but you can also buy it on Amazon. Happy Healthy Hormones by Dr. David Rosensweet. I feel like like that was so my jam right there. I could talk to you for many, many hours. Um, but go check out his website again, the guys, menopausemethod.com. You're a practitioner. Please, I cannot beg you enough. Please get certified or trained at a deep level when it comes to menopause. There is so much more you can do than just lifestyle and nutrition. And Dr. David's got the tools and the certification waiting for you. So go check it out and then buy his book, Happy Healthy Hormones on Amazon. The free PDF will be in the show notes. Link below. Thank you, Dr. David. Thank you, Dr. Kylie. Wasn't that just so good? Loaded with tons of information, just as this podcast has been the entire time. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been around for a while, I love it. Thank you for your support. I would be so grateful if the newbies and the oldies would leave a review on their favorite podcast listening app. Take a screenshot of that review and email it to my team. We've got some goodies coming out to you if you do that. My team's email is drkylieteam at gmail.com. If you're a practitioner and you do not have a thriving virtual practice yet, you need one. Now is the year. Now is your year. Don't let another thing get thrown at us by this world and take you down. Let's future-proof your practice. Let's get you creating and living and thriving in a practice that you love, that provides you with more time freedom, more energy, and location freedom, and financial freedom too. We will be doing just this in two days in Orlando, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Resort. Grab your ticket at drkylieburton.com slash in dash this dash together dash live. There are 200 seats for the in-person event and you can attend there. You can attend virtually wherever you are in the world. Why? Because I'm here to help you. If you're not a practitioner, I'm going to help you too. I've got a book out on Amazon called Why Are My Labs Normal? If you haven't grabbed it yet, go grab it and learn how to read your blood work a better way to never have to rely on anybody else again. And that's a wrap. I'll see you on the next episode.